Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Radcast. It's been a few months since we had a good catch-up, uh, so we thought it'd be time to do a ramblings episode to see how I've been getting on in the desert and how Uzi has been surviving in the NHS trenches amid all of this strike action. Yeah, no, I've uh, just come off the weekend on call actually, um, which included Friday, so I couldn't strike on the Friday, but um, I was... No, uh, no, no, I, I obviously agree with the strikes. I did vote to strike, but unfortunately I can't take part. Um, but it is interesting because the rules are that no one has to tell anyone if they're striking. So I think that means that departments have to prepare for the worst. Um, so I didn't actually know who would be sort of striking, but because I was in on Friday, I got to see how well the strike was obeyed. And yeah, definitely it, it was very quiet in the department. So um, I think the vast majority of the consultants did strike, which I don't know if I was surprised by, but um, what did yeah, you, which I was... What did the BNA actually say? So was it like, were you meant to be on call or was it a, a choice to still do the on call or was, was that kind of an agreement, agreement from the BMA that there'd still be emergency cover? So I assumed that because I was on call that I would have to work to provide the sort of emergency care. Um, when I asked the clinical director, they did say that I could potentially strike, but I'd have to find someone else to cover the on-call, which would have just been too much hassle. So I was just like, yeah, I, I don't mind getting the weekend out of the way. Yeah, But no, it's. I think in terms of um, like radiology, it's a... I mean, as a service specialty, this is going to trigger people, trigger warning there, but as, <laughs> as a service specialty, I think it's probably easier for radiologists to strike because you don't have like direct ownership of patients um, for better or worse. So I don't know how in the rest of the hospital, um, how well the strike would have been obeyed, but certainly most radiologists did strike. Yeah, I suppose the department can continue to scan. So outpatient stuff can still happen. It's just that there'll be more of a backlog when you come back in after the strike. I suppose it's the emergency stuff or any of the patient-facing stuff that would change. Mm. Yeah, I think think for surgeons, it's probably harder for them to strike because particularly surgeons, like they have the patient in front of them and it's quite difficult explaining to the patient that you're going to have to cancel their operation so you can get paid an extra <laughs> 10k on top of your what, what, what are we getting paid apparently on average 134k i think it goes oh, up yeah, every time we look in the news yeah yeah. yeah 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 that's what you start on <laughs> basic <laughs> but we're still striking <laughs> yeah um the, the thursday was interesting i had a i had an even more difficult decision to make because i don't normally work on thursdays anyway i'm not in on thursdays so on Thursday morning, I have a session off, which is like my weekly off session payment for being on call. And then on Thursday afternoons, I do my offsite SPA. So I'm not in the department on Thursdays anyway. So if I had striked, then I would have been at home anyway, but I just wouldn't have been getting paid. Yeah. Out of solidarity. So it, it was a difficult one again. Um, and I did I consulted several colleagues about like what they thought the best thing to do was and um, a lot of them said yeah there's just no point striking so yeah Yeah. I I didn't strike on didn't strike on Thursday I suppose suppose the idea of the idea of a strike is to is to cause disruption by demonstrating your value to the service so exactly if you're not going to be causing disruption on the day of the strike then it doesn't make any difference whether you're there or not. And you're just, 
yeah, it just comes down to whether you get paid for doing the same thing or or not. Yeah, it would could have, have gone to a picket line though if you were on strike. Yeah, I suppose I, the agreement I made with my myself so I could sleep at night was that if I'd been asked to sort of come in and, and cover the service because I wasn't striking, then I would have striked because I did want to sort of have my absence felt. But yeah. that wasn't the case. So I just sort of followed my normal job plan. Um, but the next strikes uh, have been announced and that's for the 24th and 25th of August, which again is a Thursday and Friday. But um, so again, I'll be <laughs> faced with the same dilemma on the Thursday um, and we'll probably come to a similar decision. But the Friday, I will definitely strike. Yeah. 100% wholeheartedly. On the picket line. Getting people to toot their horns. Yeah, uh, I'd take a yeah. Make sure I get a picket line selfie. Yeah, we can post uh, Instagram stories at the same time. You and the bird should be on the picket line. <laughs> <laughs> Do a poll of uh, who's made the better career choices. So it's it's not just you that's striking. We've got junior doctors striking as well. Um, yeah. Theirs have been going on a little bit longer. I remember when I was still in the country, there was junior doctor strikes happening. So. Has there been any progress with that or or not? No, it seems like all the sides are pretty entrenched. Um, I thought sort of the consultants announcing their strike like with such a, a big turnout as well. I think it was like 86% yeah. um, of people voted to strike. I thought that would be like the cavalry coming and would, would really stick the knife into the government and make them bend. That'd be but, it, they just cave, just cave straight yeah, away. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the big boys are here. Move over, genius. We'll take it from here. But um, yeah, unfortunately, that, that hasn't been the case. So no, I don't... Yeah, I'm not sure what the status of their strike action is now. I, I think they're going to hold another ballot to see whether they're going to um, strike some more. Um, yeah. They've done a lot of days and... Yeah, it's difficult done to long know, strikes sort of. as well, haven't they? There's, there's, yeah, I'm I know. sure there was like before I moved there was one that was like almost a week or or Yeah, exactly. Like, a, like four days. After a bank holiday or be, like a week going into a bank holiday or something. Yeah, it's a long it's a long time to go without pay. Like it does take its toll. Mm. But I suppose that's what the government are hoping. They're hoping that we will it will our resolve will break and we'll cave. Um I think with with other industries that are striking, their unions have a pot of money that they can give to their members to kind of cover loss of earnings to a degree. Um, I'm not aware of such such an offering from the BMA there. Mm, where's the consultant hardship fund? <laughs> yeah. no, um, no, but I've done, I've done nights on a few of the uh, junior doctor strikes just to uh, sort of cover them, show solidarity. Um, yeah. Obviously, we get paid the BMA rate card rates, which is like, yeah, what the... Um, hourly rate that the BMA have negotiated um, for sort of consultant cover. I think this is consultant extra work in general. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to give the Daily Mail any sound bites from this, but it's, it's quite reasonable, the rate card. And it kind of is inconsistent. I don't know how they've managed to negotiate it because it's like inconsistent. So we're basically striking over paying conditions. And this is the one sort of pay thing which seems like an outlier it seems it seems strangely reasonable so i don't know how they've managed to yeah it's probably it's probably the one the one pay element where the the government have agreed with what the bma have suggested i think yeah but i just don't i don't i don't know how they come to those numbers because as i say they're the the rate is quite good um Mm. oh but 
maybe that's just what we're worth. And we've been gaslit into thinking we're we're worth <laughs> not as much. And so when we get paid what we're what we're worth, we're surprised by it. I wonder if that will be used by either side in the negotiations. Um, well, you know, you, you've agreed that, that, that we have this uh, this value in these circumstances. Yeah. And there's quite a gulf between that value and mm, the standard. Mm. So where, you know, where would you see us lying in, in between? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see. I mean, how much how much would it take for you to come back? If we got <laughs> full pay restoration, 35%, would you come back? No. You wouldn't. Hard Shut no. up. It's a hard no. Wow. Absolutely not. It wouldn't even. It wouldn't even like turn my head. Wow. Yeah. Is that good over there? Yeah. Because it's not just pay, is it? It's it's working conditions and stuff as well. So. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Put it up thirty five percent. No. No. No chance. Yeah. Or, or do you need more holidays, more annual leave? <laughs> there must be. I mean, you can't actually like living out there more than you like the UK. It's too hot. <laughs> it's too I mean, hot. It is very hot. Like, to do. like at the moment, it's like it's mid forties mm. on the weather forecast. But then I've got in the habit of looking at the feels like temperature, um, okay. which takes into account humidity and wind speed, I think, as well. And um, it's like feels like fifty three. Oh wow! Every day, yeah. So um, I'd say if I'm outside for more than five minutes in the sun. <laughs> Then I'd start profusely sweating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like aiming, always always walk to aim for the shaded areas on the way. And mm. um, then, yeah, just going between air-conditioned buildings. Like the other day, I had to take the dog to the vet, which is kind of like diagonally across a park from where I am. That would be the quickest mm. way to walk there. But instead, I walked across the park and then down through a building so i was in air conditioning and then out of the bottom of that building a bit of outdoor and then back in another building to get to get through to the vets wow so the walk probably it took me longer it probably took me like a third as long again you know um but it's because the majority of it was inside so it was more comfortable wow military planning just to <laughs> go for a walk to the park yeah oh, well. it's it's that bad now it really is yeah and like with the dog have to be careful where he walks because of his paws on the ground because it can get very very hot so yeah. Interesting. Might have to get him some shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so what's your what's your situation then? So like where are you um how are you settling in? Where are you living now? Yeah, so I've moved into a different apartment now, so no longer in the Airbnb. Um in the I suppose what you'd call the permanent <laughs> residence now. Um, nice. same area of same area of Dubai, so literally just moved across the road. <laughs> so yeah, well moving wasn't too much of a faff. Um, I suppose is that yeah. like in the center of the city or like no on the palm so yeah away from all the big towers and the traffic which is quite nice um, right. so yeah it's uh, it's not somewhere that I'd ever considered because I just presumed it was all like multi-million pound villas but there are apartments mm-hmm. here that are quite reasonable to rent so um, I say reasonable like, in, in, in inverted commas yeah <laughs> yeah relative to other areas of Dubai it's still it's reasonable and Mm. It's very dog friendly here, um, and having the park straight out the back of the building is very, very useful for that reason. So, yeah, it kind of ticked a lot of boxes staying here. Um, the beach is like right there. Um, mm. There's a mall, a short walk, which has got everything that you could need. So, yeah, the water park, nice. the Atlantis water park, that's like five minutes in a cab. So, 
Yes. <laughs> very well, very well situated. But the problem is because it's because it's like an island. Um, going to see friends in downtown, which is where most of my other mates live, feels like like a, a big thing. You know, it's like it's like people in Warrington saying, oh, I'm, "I'm going to Liverpool this weekend." You know, like leaving mm, the farm mm. is like a big deal. Um, right, right. Even though it's not that far, like maybe twenty minutes in a cab, so it's not mm. too bad. But yeah, um, moving was straightforward because it was just the stuff that we'd come over with but then the apartment was like completely unfurnished so mm. um, had to get appliances furniture like the full yeah. so they have yeah, ikea they, over there they've got ikea yeah oh wow so nice. ikea was was very very good um and the delivery guys assemble it for you as well which is nice um mm. so yeah that was like a bit of a faff and then there's all the all the bureaucracy around renting in dubai as well um mm a few different hoops that you have to jump through with paperwork and getting the government to sign it off and all that kind of thing. So yeah, that was all an experience, but it's, it's sorted now. I feel like last time we spoke, things were still sort of getting settled in terms of your working pattern and like when you're reporting versus the sort of corporate management stuff that you're doing. So is that all sort of settled now? Yeah, I'm definitely in more of a routine with it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I know what my weekly volumes are going to be and I know in advance when my acute CT shifts are going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've got like recurring meetings on a Monday at one o'clock for me. So it's 10 a.m. in the UK. So that's like every Monday. So I know that like, that that's like a fixed mm-hmm. point in the week. Um, and then I have an alternate Friday lunchtime meeting as well. So those are kind of focal management points. And I can, if I know that um, I've got a, an on-call shift on one of those days, then I can kind of, plan other meetings in in between them so that mm. I don't have stuff dotted around too much yeah like if I've got a meeting with someone who's interested in moving out here then and then someone else gets in touch then I'll try and put that meeting like on the back of another one so I'm not just spread out all the time because that would be a bit it'd be very easy to drop the ball then I think as well if um if I was if I was having meetings just dotted about different times a day different days yeah so like how many hours a day are you doing reporting now um so it varies if i do if i do an on-call shift so that's that's acute ct um and that's covering uk overnight hours um so i would do a six hour shift if i do that okay and then i do those three times a week um, okay. and then the other two days of the week it's just routine msk reporting that i do um so i mean that is it's variable sometimes you'll get a load of stuff that's like GP or physio referrals, which is usually a bit more straightforward. And then other times there can be like post-op orthopedics in there, which can take a bit okay. longer. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, number of hours per week reporting is a lot less than it was um, right. when I was in the UK. Yeah. For a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> Have you uh, managed to recruit um, many more people in your uh, sales so meetings? Yeah. There's two people who are kind of all good to go, but they just didn't want to move out in the summer. So they're going to be coming out Definitely later not. on in the year, yeah. which makes complete sense. Um, the prospect of like moving out here, especially if you've got a family as well, like dealing yeah. with all the all the, the newness of everything and getting used to the, the different systems and stuff over here in that heat. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I can completely understand why people didn't want to move out now mm, um mm. so and then there's a couple of other people who are potentially going to be 
later in the year as well, but they haven't completed their sign-up yet. And then there's someone else. There's another two, sorry, who are looking at after Christmas. So, okay. yeah, aiming for, I'm aiming for a team of eight people full-time a year Get after starting. Together. So, yeah, hopefully by next May, fingers crossed, I'll have eight. So there's me and one other already. Two more coming online, and potentially two more a bit later in the year. So, yeah, could wow. yeah get to eight. Eight, I'd be very very happy with with eight. And then there's like part timers as well who who work for hospitals over here who are doing UK Telerad on the side. So, very much developing a hub. Nice bit of commission for you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not based on commission. I'm not working on. My God, imagine! Imagine if I'd wangled some sort of deal whereby I got like a, a percentage of their reporting volumes or something. That oh fun. wow. That's yeah. like a football agent being able to get a cut deal. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you sort of, as you're sort of um, approaching the end of this settling in period, you were saying that on reflection, it does cost a lot. You need to have a lot of money up front to make the whole move out here. Like it's... Um... Um, yes. So the startup costs are high. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think... Obviously, you have to kind of factor in potentially like not getting paid for a month, which mm-hmm. in any job, whether you move into a different hospital in the UK, that, that's something that can happen depending on, you know, the time that you're moving. Um, but then startup costs kind of specific to Dubai. Um, rent is generally paid in one or two installments for the whole year. Mm. So, yeah, you've got to have like some cash behind you to be able to do that. And then... On top of that, you pay the estate agent either a 5 or 10% commission. Um, 5% mm. if it's unfurnished, 10% if it's furnished. So then that, for the yearly value of the rent as well. So that's a huge chunk of cash. Um, and then for all the utilities as well, you pay a deposit. So you had to pay a, a deposit to the air conditioning company, a deposit to the people that do the, the water and electricity. So yeah, all these costs kind of add into it. And then mm. if you get somewhere unfurnished, then... You have to furnish it. So, I mean, our reason for going with somewhere unfurnished was because of the difference in the deposits. So, yeah. based on what the, our annual rent was, I thought that for the difference in the deposits, we'd be able to get pretty much the whole way furnished. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but then the difference is that we own the furniture then as opposed to paying out that chunk yeah. of the deposit. And then you hear lots of stories about how landlords will do whatever they can to keep as much of the deposit at the end of the... Mm, um, unscrupulous so, landlords. So, you know, yeah, so... I mean, we met our landlords and they are they are lovely, but you know, you never know at the end at the end of the term what could happen. Mm. I mean, you don't know what, what could happen to the furniture in the meantime as well. So yeah, we just thought unfurnished, get our own stuff, then we've got it. And it's it feels like more of our own place then as well, as opposed mm. to like being like a hotel room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're um have you got a contract for a year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um there's places where you can get like service departments where you can rent for less time and then obviously Airbnb as well, but all standard rental contracts here for a year. And then is the plan to stay there or are you maybe looking to like put um, down, a down payment? I, I don't know. Like I could buy here. Could you could just, <laughs> just, <laughs> could just buy here? That would be an option. Um, yeah, I think that, so startup costs with buying as well are. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, another another tax that, well, another, another startup cost that I hadn't mentioned is the municipality tax. So that's like the equivalent of council tax back home. And that is okay. 5% of the 
annual rent as well. So like bloody uh, yeah, yeah. So when you when you look at all these at, hidden taxes, isn't it? Like yeah, no so income tax, income tax then, but yeah, yeah, they get you in other ways. Um, yeah, still better off, but. <laughs> <laughs> Just FYI, <laughs> don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Like, yeah, just I think if, if anyone's looking at it, when, <laughs> when you're looking on Property Finder at the at the listings, and you see somewhere, then just make sure that you add on five percent, fifty percent. Okay, you know, you make sure that you add on those extra those extra few percentages yeah, yeah, to yeah. to come out with your, your actual annual cost. Um, mm, mm, this is mm. the thing as well is that even though you might be able to pay the rent in two installments, you We'll have to pay all of the other stuff cash up front, which can then affect, you know, that could potentially affect your ability to pay the rent all in one go. So um, mm. that was kind of what we decided. Like, instead of paying for everything all in one go and then having no cash, it's probably better to try and pay it in two installments and then make sure that there's yeah. a cushion that's there. But yeah, startup costs are high. Um, mm. I mean, it, it does depend on where you want to live as well. Like, yeah, you know, I can't say that it's it's cheap to live here. Um, it's it's relative to other, I suppose, like premium areas of Dubai. Um, there are areas where you can get apartments that are far cheaper. We could have got a smaller apartment for less money, but um, I think with working from home, yeah, I would yeah, want yeah. to be in a one bed apartment where like the living room is also the office. You know, yeah. So that was the reason for going for something a bit bigger. So I've got that separate workspace. And yeah, also, yeah. so there's plenty of room for friends to visit. Mm, indeed, yes, yes. I'll make my way over there at some point <laughs> soon in the winter, February. Yeah, uh, you probably enjoy this heat. You probably love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, in my element, I suppose. <laughs> um, what else in terms, of, in terms of work? So I've had my appraisal. Um, oh, okay. My first appraisal through Hexarad. It was very, very slick. Um, Is it similar to last year or like more or less... Yeah, so they still use the L2P system, which I think is what a lot of trusts use. Okay, yeah, I'm using L2P. Yeah, so... Um, oh, so like, a, lot, a lot of box ticking. That is yeah. a really tedious, really tedious. It is very tedious, yeah, yeah. Going through and filling in all the bits, getting all the bits... A lot of, of repetition, yeah. Yeah, lots of repetition. All the stuff... Because there's the different sections, isn't there? Um, safety and quality and all, all that kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah, coming up with, with reflective bits for each section it's hard to not repeat yourself yeah exactly yeah i'm sort of hoping that my um appraiser my appraisal tomorrow tomorrow actually and i'm hoping my appraiser finds it as tedious as i did and <laughs> just um sort of appreciates because you end up writing the same thing over and over again it's like asking to reflect on reflections and yeah. it's like come on this is really this is not an efficient use of consultant time yeah. like i do get the need to be reflective and stuff but it you can see they're also sort of just copying and pasting requirements from the gmc good medical practice like you just have to tick all of the boxes yeah, um yeah and you, you kind of feel almost um under suspicion like I've, I've done all this stuff all year and and i'm not perhaps the best at um record keeping so like i've done lots of teaching this year but i've not really collected much feedback so i'm having to run around right now and get feedback for that and it's just really tedious and and frustrating but yeah Hopefully it goes all right. Um, so this we'll is your out. first consultant appraisal. Yeah, it's my first um, appraisal. So, so uh, my, no, my, I... my appraisal meeting, just to give you a ballpark, my appraisal mm. meeting was an hour and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy was really good. Um, he is a GP 
now public health doctor. Um, oh, I wasn't a consultant in your hospital. No, so um, Hexarad, they have a responsible officer. Oh, no, you're talking about your Hexarad meeting. Your yeah, Hexarad yeah, meeting. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Fair so point. Um, they have a medical director who's the responsible officer, and then they use a different company for the appraisal itself. Um, okay. So they, they basically have the link between me as the appraisee, and then they find an appropriate appraiser. Um, okay. So it was a yeah public, public health doctor who was very, very good very thought provoking. We had a very detailed chat about things, I suppose with like the transition that I've been through, like there was a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. For sure. And yeah, kind of changes in uh, scope of practice and all that kind of thing. So there was a lot to talk about, but yeah, it was, it was an hour and a half. Wow. So don't expect it to be a quick, like mm. five minute tick, tick, tick. In and out. Was, was one of your PDPs last year to lead the country? <laughs> It wasn't actually no, and we talked about <laughs> we talked about how my my PDPs that were set last year, I didn't hit all of them, but right. that was because of the decision to change careers. Okay. Basically. So um, yeah, so he said actually he he said when you were when you were reg and you kind of in the mindset of ARCP, then that's very much about your like clinical practice and then all the the immediate offshoots of that. So like doing an audit and you know, teaching and that kind of thing. But he mm. said that um, the PDP can be a lot more open than that. So you've, he, he said that I've done a lot of learning about moving out here, different management structures of the business, all that kind of thing. And he said that's yeah, all relevant yeah, yeah. PDP stuff, but it looks, without mentioning that in your appraisal, it looks like you haven't done any of that. So he said, don't, don't get fixated on the, the, the traditional stuff. Yeah, yeah. You literally have to mention everything. Otherwise, it hasn't happened, which is, I suppose, it's just something, if you do it as you go along, as always, it's not as bad as if you're trying to do it all in one go at the end. But is yeah. your appraiser a radiologist or not? Yeah, my appraiser is a, a radiologist, well known to both of us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the department. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my. My first appraisal as a consultant was with an A&E consultant. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then this is with a public health doctor. So, yeah, I've not not been appraised by a radiologist. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I suppose the other thing that we, that we haven't talked about yet is Radcast. So we've been putting out the podcasts and preparing for other things in the background. And then we had our annual Röntgen Radiology yeah. Anatomy Competition, which we held... Um, last weekend we tried to hold yeah uh, well which we, we tried to hold yeah so um for the benefit of our listeners this is the second year that we've run the competition um but we upgraded from a basic online exam platform to a more complex tool that included proctoring as well because we really want to make sure that we are doing all that we can at our end to ensure the integrity of the exam um, so that there's, you know, there's considerable value to firstly sitting it, but then also having success in it because there are prizes for the top three entries. Yeah. We wanted it to be, um, to be bigger and better this year. So yeah, we, yeah, we definitely wanted to like include, um, proctoring, but <laughs> it just didn't, didn't work out. But we really looked into it as well. So we, we trialed some different systems, mm. had lots of back and forth with different providers, ended up choosing a provider. Um, 
and then it was actually recommended by um one of our consultants who's used it for one of her other courses um and it came she she said it worked very well um on reflection i wonder whether this was a deliberate act of sabotage because (laughs) i don't i just i just based on how it went like I, i don't believe that it could have worked for anyone else like it just couldn't couldn't handle it at all um yeah i guess one thing that we hadn't realized was the was the price of things as well mm. is expensive yeah exactly we looked around and most of the companies like you're looking at thousands of pounds just to put on an exam and you end up being in a situation where if you go for some of these other services like you'd have to charge people 50 100 quid to just cover your costs so we wanted to keep it um accessible to people so it wasn't prohibitively expensive and it's not like the option we went with was cheap necessarily but um I suppose (laughs) it was uh maybe on the uh the lower end of the of the spectrum and um I guess we now know why (laughs) um (laughs) I guess yeah yeah it did not anticipate it going that way um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had everyone in the room for the Zoom to do the the, the preamble and run through all the, the basics. And then we, we talked through a presentation um, just that was like screenshots of a walkthrough of how to get into the system and get set up with the test. And then sent everyone the link for the test. Um, and then I'd say within like two... Oh, hell broke loose, yeah. We're getting yeah. messages coming back into the Zoom. Yeah, emails, messages in the Zoom, people's hands going up in the Zoom. Um, Everything that could go wrong started going wrong. Like yeah. some people couldn't log on to the exam. Some people's webcams weren't being recognized. Some people were starting the exam and then getting kicked out. Um, like the platform just literally just couldn't handle it, which is insane yeah. because like this is their job. This is what we paid. We paid for this service. Um, I feel like I should name and shame the platform, to be honest. Like it was so bad. <laughs> But I don't know if I'll get like done for libel. Um, but um, <laughs> yes, yeah, please no so... more costs in relation to this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah, no. It became apparent like ten minutes in that even uh, even sooner that we 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 weren't able to actually like complete the whole thing. So we had to take the tough decision and just like yeah, pull the plug and send out a mass email saying abort, abort. Yeah. Um, which is really horrible because like people were really excited for the exam and um, had like spent a lot of time revising for it had rearranged their sort of schedules to be able to do the exam on the day. So to not actually be able to complete it um, because of this platform, just for some reason, was absolutely awful. Um, yeah, that was very frustrating. And yeah. I think it's genuinely, it's the first time we've actually tried to do something that's failed. Like everything we've done, up until now has gone well and you sort of develop this almost sense that it's just going to work like that what yeah I mean, I mean you think because we're very conscientious we don't leave any stone unturned we you know we discuss things between us we test things yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's like a lot that goes into putting something like this on and i think because of like fear of it not working we put that you know that extra level of of care into the into the product but then mm. to do all of that and to then have these issues that were significant and were completely out it of was control 
catastrophic. Unprecedented. <laughs> and the weird thing is, like, a few people were able to complete the exam fully, had no idea that anyone had any technical issues, and then only realised when we sent out the email that the exam hadn't mm. sort of was was cancelled. And they're a bit frustrated because they got they managed to complete it, um, and it worked for them. And some of them think they did quite well. So. Yeah, it's all a bit of a, a car crash. But I think we handled it well in the moment, actually, just sort of um, decisively sending out the email, cancelling it, apologising, owning it. Um, and then, yeah, we're now sort of very determined to put it on again. Um, we've already scheduled some meetings with other proctoring services and it will be a lot more expensive. Obviously, we're not going to change the price for people, but we're determined to put it on, even if it means like we, we end up losing money on it. Like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's, yeah. Not, it's not about yeah. it's not about making a profit on it. It's about putting on a it's about putting on something that is um, a flagship product for us. Really, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. Something else like it out there. Um, we had a really good turnout last time. We had an even better turnout this time. So, yeah, we want to we want to carry on with it definitely. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's, a, I think it's a, it's a very good concept and the, the people who we did get some very encouraging emails, even sort of as it was all falling apart from the people who were able to do the exam saying, uh, oh, we're really sorry it didn't work out for you guys. Um, we really enjoyed doing the exam. Please reschedule it. So that's good. I think most uh, everyone was really understanding. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and I think this is just an, an inevitable consequence of scaling anything because up until now everything we've done has been in-house between the three of us and so it's easy to maintain standards Um, but as soon as you start involving external parties that's another variable that you're not in control of yeah Um, and so then you're relying on other people to fulfill their end of the bargain and unfortunately this company just I have no idea how they have a functional business because (laughs) like it's not even like our exam was particularly demanding. Um, all we wanted was a little bit of maybe webcam monitoring, um, some some features to stop them leaving the exam once they were in it, um, and and then just show the pictures and let them answer. Um, and it just yeah, it just it couldn't it couldn't, you just couldn't, couldn't handle, handle it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Um, but yeah, no, we will. Uh, the, the the we will come back. We'll come back from this. The Röntgen Prize will rise from the ashes. It will. It will. <laughs> it as well, I think we yeah, it's yeah. important to us that we uh, that we get it out, that we get it readvertised as soon as possible. But mm-hmm. yeah, obviously, we need to. Number one priority now is making sure we find an alternative proctoring platform, um, mm-hmm. and then once we've got one that can handle the exam that we want to put on, um, and that is going to be stable for about yeah, yeah, 140 yeah. people. <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean that that limit was put in place because of the um the company um in terms yeah, of that's that true, sort of, yeah. so so if we find another company that can accommodate more people then we'll probably be able to increase the numbers in yeah. fact that's a maybe a, a blessing in disguise um true but yeah it's also it's 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 something to bear in mind with like our other courses because um like with our application course we've reached a point now where there's so much demand for interviews that we can't really cater to it all ourselves so again we're going to have to maybe bring in other people to help with interviews and you have that situation again where you're now adding in extra variables added in third third parties and you have to work hard to maintain the quality so yeah yeah. we'll work it out 
Yeah, yeah, I think it's inevitable, but yeah, no. Apologies for those who did have to sit the, who, who went through the, the failed attempts and the, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, definitely be re- rescheduling it, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, and everyone who was on for the first one, if they want to be on the list for the next one, then they can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes, food for thought, definitely. Um, but yeah, well, um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I think we've got through everything there. They're yeah. big few months for both of us. Lots of lots of stuff going on uh, yeah. in the desert and also <laughs> the shores of the Mersey. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think we've covered everything. Cool, nice. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next month with another episode. And in the meantime, you can catch all of our previous episodes on the usual podcast platforms and at anchor.fm forward slash radcast and for more updates in the meantime you can get us on our social media channels so that's radcast academy on twitter and instagram bye goodbye